0: That's how uh, I feel like I would like to just sit and listen to Jesus teach. Just kind of excitedly anticipating, sitting there on the edge of the stage. But uh, instead, it's me that gets to say the words and you get to listen. So uh, I don't know if that same expectancy exists, but here we are. Uh, Actually, that that kind of, I need to address something as I was, (laughs) last night I had a dream that uh that i was preaching so there we go I get to practice in my sleep as well sometimes but uh there's this one one uh one problem is that i was i wasn't all the way through and uh i don't know if i just had a longer pause or whatever it was but everyone just left so i, w- I wasn't done <laughs> and so my, my caution or, or or maybe my instruction is if I have a long pause, maybe I'm collecting my thoughts. Please don't get up and leave. I've, uh, I've prepared a few more things, and I would like to have the opportunity to, uh, to lead us through them. So we'll, uh, But if you, if you get up and leave, I'll, I'll understand that maybe I'm more of a dreamer than I anticipate. Uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been, been uh, looking at this one verse in particular, uh, but more, more or less... This thought of living with intent, and so this verse from Ephesians chapter five, verse fifteen to sixteen, I'm going to again read it for us. This summarizes a lot of where we're going and why we're uh, spending these weeks on this. It's, so be careful to live your life wisely, not foolishly. Take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. So with that, we've uh, we've come through talking about calling that we are all called to Jesus. And then we are given this invitation, this little more open-handed invitation of being called to partnership with what uh, God is doing, Jesus is doing in the world around us. And uh, then we, we looked at purpose and how our, our primary purpose is to worship God. And that looks, uh, that looks like, like worshiping, like we've done here, but that also looks like uh, the work that we do can be our worship to God. Uh, our primary purpose is to worship God. God. But then we have this opportunity in purpose and partnership that our purpose can, can go beyond what we do in our short lifetime. Instead of that just being erased as a memory that fades through time, our purpose, when it's built into what God is doing, those, uh, those bricks, bit by bit, can be built into something that's going to last and actually has an impact beyond our short little lifetime here. So now onward to the third and final element from calling to purpose Is towards mission Uh, and now let me just give you a little a a brief little peek inside my mind I realize this could be scary so we'll keep those parts aside and a little bit towards some of the process of of how I end up collecting my thoughts towards these things here on a Sunday morning Uh, so some of it usually if I'm pausing don't leave Uh, in a moment like this I I, I know okay this is where we want to go over the next few weeks and so I have this idea of like mission. I kind of know what that's going to look like, but I take time to just sit. And, like, and pray about that, and think, and, and I start jotting down things that come to, to mind for me. So that comes up in a few different categories. There'll be things of like, where does this show up in scripture, and how can I, how are we gonna connect, and what does that teach about, and, and we'll dive in, and then I might dive into that and realize, ah, that's not what that chunk of scripture's about, and end up in different spots. But another part that usually comes into mind for me, it tends to be, maybe it's a bit pop culture-y, but when I think of mission, and, and, and so there's different things that come pretty quick. So when thinking about mission, uh perhaps the function of being a 90s christian kid and having listened to a little bit of carmen i don't know if there's anyone else that listened to that at all um i'm sorry uh and and some of that is mission 316 and the song comes to mind i'm like yeah we're not going there uh that's not needed that can be left with carmen but then he started thinking about movies and of course your mission, should you choose to accept it, as mission impossible, which is like, hey, that has some pretty cool connections, right? That uh, our mission, like, sometimes might seem like an impossible mission, but, uh, you know, it usually works out in the end. We know that God's leading it towards something. But uh, the other one that's that stuck in my mind over and over again uh, is that, that notion of mission, of being on a mission from God, because we're putting the band back together, And I don't know how many of you have have watched that movie, The Blues Brothers. And uh, if you have, then right on. There's probably some connections we can talk about with that. If you haven't, there's a good chance nostalgia has erased some aspects there that I don't know if I can recommend it to you. I don't remember if it's supposed to be a good movie or not. I just remember the parts that have filtered out uh, into my mind of being on a mission from God as Jake and Elwood carry on putting the, the Blues Brothers band back together. And I love it because it has this focus of being on mission. And what they do, it's, it's a movie. Like, it's, it falls apart at some point. But as, they, as they're as they so focused on what they need to do in, in carrying forward that the, the side things that happen, the interruptions, the distractions, they don't matter because they're on a mission from God. They're putting the band back together so they can keep driving towards the mission that they've been called to, driving towards the mission. Uh, the end goal of having the band back together so uh, we're putting the band back together we're on a mission from god and we have this sort of uh grand mission that that can be summed up pretty quick actually when we think of the christian world and what god's been doing in the world throughout the ages uh, if you ever look at mission statements for different Christian organizations, and actually, for those of you that have a phone, I invite you to a total distraction right now. If you want to like, quickly Google some of the Christian organizations you know and start looking through in their About Us section and try and find their mission statement, I, I'm pretty confident you're going to find a few. Uh, it's going to fit into one of two categories, is that for most Christian organizations, our mission uh, fits either into the Great Commandment or the Great Commission. So the great commandment being to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and then to love your neighbor as yourself and then the great commission given by Jesus to go into all the nations and make disciples. So our, our mission at Crossway has been making God's love known. So you can think about that like, okay, I see how that fits in those uh, those sorts of things. Uh, there, was, there was many of you at uh, a banquet on Friday night for YFC Carmen. Uh, do you, did you kind of catch... Uh, I feel like Tyler said it quite a few times uh, of their mission of, uh, I don't even know if I get it right now, but all young people living fully in Christ. Something to that effect. So that looks like that discipleship aspect, making disciples of the nations. There was uh, one from uh, Prairie Bible College where I went to Bible school and it's always stuck with me. I liked it. It's just catchy and it, it was easy to remember and it sums things up well and their mission was to uh, to know Christ and to make him known. I feel like it fits. But it, you see how that fits within the great commandment and the great commission. These are the things generally broadly of our mission in the world as Christians. And now we find ourselves uh attaching to that in different points throughout history in different points of of time and place because somehow we have to put feet to this. We have to act this out in a tangible way into the world around us. And so that invites us into this grander story piece that I want to address just a little bit. Uh, we, we're actually, as followers of Jesus, we find ourselves adopted into a family. Adopted into a family that has, boy, there's some stories. There's some colorful characters. Uh, there's some, uh, some stories that have gone bad. There's some stories that have gone bad but still feed into where we are today. And, and we see that played out through the uh, the story arc from creation to new creation from creation when when god spoke into the darkness and there became and there came light and there came life and there was what he created and we see that story arc the last few chapters we know kind of how the story finished but finishes but we don't know exactly how and we know that we're we're in between here but we see that there will be jesus is coming back sometime and we will be with him forever. So we have this creation to new creation, this grand story, and then all of these stories in here that fit in between. And these are the stories, these are our family stories. These are the things that uh, that drag us along and uh, inform us. We can use them to... Uh, to teach, to, to learn, to, uh, to hopefully grow, to hopefully understand from mistakes that were made and uh, learn in those mistakes and not get caught in the same things as our, our family, the Israelites, got caught in as well. So when we, uh, again, this peek into some process, when, when I look into this and think like, well, what parts of scripture can speak into what we're trying to address? And it's amazing how many times there, uh, there is something that fits with the way that we operate in the world, with uh, maybe not exactly, but we, uh, we look through and see, okay, how did Jesus address this? How did maybe the early church address this? How did this show up in the Old Testament, in this, this family history? of of the Israelites. And that's one thing just as an aside as well. We do have this story. We have this family history, creation and new creation. God's mission of redemptive love for the world, for humankind from beginning to end. And Jesus is at the center of it. I just want to make that pretty clear. That As part of this storyline, Jesus is the pinnacle. He is the center of the story. And we process so much through him. So what can we uh, learn from these stories? How can we see ourselves in this story, who we are and uh, and where we fit. So I have a bit of a visual I want to uh, to use to kind of just give us a little bit of that this grand story, this greater this greater history that we find ourselves in. So I just need I'm going to need a little bit of help. Um, hey, Ren, can you come hold something for me? How much space do we need? Uh, you go here. You want to hold that? You stand behind it. Um, hey, Riley, can you come hold something for me, please? You can come this way a bit, Ren. And uh, okay, you come here, Riley. You hold on to hold on to the big chunk for now. I know you're not going to be able to see this, but this is a a, a, a whole timeline of human history. Which is uh, so we have creation at the front here, and we can see how we have some some of these Bible stories we know. There's uh, where's uh, Noah? He's going to be in here somewhere. There's Seth, Adam and Eve, uh, Methuselah. So that line goes for a while. Uh, we can see some of um, as the other parts of world history happen. You guys can go up on a step if you want, if that makes it a little bit higher. Uh, I need some help here. we are got to go a little bit farther. Who's over here? Hey Val, can you come help me for a second? You know what it's like to be voluntold. You've been a teacher. You want to hold that for me? So we can, we can see as well here, we get into this point of uh, Israelite history. And we have the judges, we have the kings, we have the temple that gets built, this incredible temple that Solomon uh, commissions and builds, That David builds into that as well. Uh, This this is our family history. This is part of our story. Uh, And then as we come to here, we have the center of the story is Jesus. That's where we find ourselves, at the center of the story. I think that's where that is, right? I need one more person. Um, Who wants to come up? Phil, you want to come help me? And then, betraying the publication of this thing. We have the United States up here, so you know where this was created. <laughs> and uh, we see along some of these, these timelines, these these are our stories. These are our family members. This is our family history, some of these stories. And, and as we come into the, the Europe's, we see them. Uh, we see where uh, they come off here. Now, if I look real closely, uh, there's England. There's Canada, right there. We feed into England, and that's all we get. It's one little blip right there. <laughs> And then it ends about 1900, so none of you are on the the storyline or the map here specifically. But we can see that from all the way back there, from creation, human history throughout. And when we think of Israel, when we think of the church, when we think of uh, what God has been doing throughout history, we can see how we fit into these things bit by bit and where we end up as such a small piece of this human history. Now, I just want to point out one thing before I give you guys a break, is that want to look at one example pretty specifically this morning of of family history uh, as we see in um, the Old Testament is we're going to look at the minor prophet Haggai and I'm going to say a couple things about him but he's going to be right about I had him lined up here before but it's hard to I didn't have this all worked out this far before let's look for 520 BC five you guys can't see it anyway so you don't care I could point anywhere uh (laughs) he's over here Haggai uh just on the front end of this because this is a very significant time in history is that uh the well i'll explain that in a minute so he's here in the middle and that's where we're going to find this so if you we don't need to fold it all up i don't just want to set it on the floor for now for those of you that like things you can just come look at it later on uh we'll we'll try not to trample it too hard but there's 20 feet of history if you want to figure that uh gaze into that a little bit later on i realize this is a big distraction for some of you but that's okay i accept so hey finds himself which is kind of interesting like when we look at the whole this is a bit compressed it's perhaps it's, it's linear in some senses but the amount of things that can happen in a certain amount of time makes it look a little bit compressed so we have hey uh, guy shows up in this middle piece after the uh, the israelites have gone off into exile they they kept turning away from god and god said if you do that i'm going to use surrounding nations to take you away from the land that i promised you and they kept doing that and so they were sent off into exile into babylon into assyria kingdoms change rulers change and bit by and then there comes a time when some of them are allowed to go back so they're allowed to go back to jerusalem and they're starting to settle in jerusalem and this is this is the the time where haggai shows up so you can turn to haggai in your bible and I, I really wanted to have a, uh, a concise look at guy. It's only two chapters, and there was, uh, there's no way I could shorten it out. So we are going to look through the whole, the whole story here. It won't take, uh, it'll take as long as it takes. Uh, but just to give you a little bit of context to guy is, okay, so he's in this time where they're coming back. For those of you that are maybe familiar with Ezra and Nehemiah, you kind of know that they were in this coming back from exile as well. And Haggai and Ezra actually have overlap. There's the same names show up in there as the the priest at the time that was in Jerusalem that came back, as well as the local ruler. So Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, (laughs) Zerubbabel. Z- that guy and uh and then also joshua who was the priest are going to show up as names in haggai you'll find those same names in ezra ezra fills out a little bit more of the narrative uh, as to what's going on but haggai was a prophet at this time a prophet being one who uh proclaims god's truth and so we, we tend to think of prophet more as you know, like a fortune teller and, and so that can look kind of as a foretelling of uh, this is what's to come. And that's actually only a really a small part of what the prophets do in the Old Testament. The the bigger part that they do is forth telling. They proclaim God's truth where God's truth is absent. So they are the ones that are often, you can just imagine how difficult of a job that would be of being a prophet. You're going to a people who are turned away from God and you've gotta be the one to tell them like, hey, this is what God's saying. What you're doing is not right, it's not good. This is what his standard is. This is what he wants to draw you back to. You would not be a popular voice. So this is the job of the prophet. And this is what Haggai was. One who would hear from God and then proclaim God's truth. Whether a small piece, what might be yet to come. But more largely, a large piece of like, this is what God wants to say to you right now. And so he was, as we categorize in the Old Testament, a minor prophet. So major, minor, we can't think of as importance. It's more about how much was written about them. Uh, the major prophets, the minor prophets were every bit as important and, and uh, into the story of this history as the major prophets. They just didn't have as many people following them around, writing them, writing about their life. So you could think about it as uh, someone who has a documentary crew following them around for their entire life. They would be categorized a major prophet. And then there's you who like tweets like once every three years and posts when maybe like a kid's born or something online. Like you'd be a minor prophet. You just got a little bit of information about what you've contributed or what's been going on in your life. So it's not about what they've done. It's about how much was spoken about them and uh and and written down afterwards. So all those things being said, Haggai has this fantastic job of of speaking to these these Jews who had been displaced and now are coming back. And and it's it's a mission. He's coming with a mission from God for them to carry out. So let's uh, start at the beginning in Haggai chapter 1, and I'm going to highlight a couple things of I'm going to Help interpret a couple dates here as well, because typically uh, dates are given in Scripture as in the the month of. That makes no sense to us anymore. In the year of a ruler, and so we've had people with biblical scholarship that have figured those out for us. So it's great. So in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua son of Jehozadak, the high priest. So uh, if some of you have like a a fairly new NIV translation, I think it might give you the actual date, which is a little easier to follow. But for those that don't, let me say for you, in the year 520 before Jesus, so 520 BC, on September 1st, so it's the six-month first day, calendars, uh, adjustments over the years, this is what uh, the word came to Haggai that he proclaimed. Verse 2, Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the lord then the word of the lord came to the came by the hand of Haggai the prophet is it a time for you your to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins now therefore thus says the lord of hosts consider your ways you have sown much and have harvested little you eat but you never have enough you drink but you have never have your fill you clothe yourselves but no one is warm and he who earns a wage does so to put them into a bag with holes verse seven thus says the lord of hosts consider your ways here we go here's the mission go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that i may take pleasure in it and that i may be glorified says the lord here's the mission from god not putting the band back together putting the house back together putting the temple back together now what had happened is, as they came over, and and you'll see this narrative in Ezra if you if you read Ezra next with this in mind, a group of people came back at the king's uh, at the king's permission, and they started settling in Jerusalem, and they started actually laying the foundations for this new temple, and they uh, they had opposition from those around them, from governors in the area, and they and those guys tattled back to the the main empire to say like ah. Uh, they're rebuilding, they shouldn't be, look through the history, how this is such a problematic nation, when their temple's together, like, this is not good news, and so, so everyone, they stop. All they had done was work, they, I think they'd laid the foundation, and then they stopped, because of uh, fear of the people around them. So we, uh, that's the context that Haggai comes in to say, like, why did you stop? You took that energy and started building houses for yourself and carrying on but look it's not going well look at the results of your of your efforts you're just spinning your tires you're putting as it says there earning wage does so to put them into a bag with holes so then hey guys encouragement his mission build the house and then in verse 9 we keep going you looked for much and behold it came to little and when you brought it home i blew it away why declares the lord of hosts because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce and i have called for a drought on the land and the hills on the grain the new wine the oil on what the ground brings forth on man and on beast and on all their labors so you can kind of get the get the picture get the message that he's bringing forward verse 12 let's keep moving then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Oh, how beautiful when we listen. <laughs> and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them, and the people feared the Lord. Now verse 13. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. Here's message two. It's five times, that, uh, five times throughout this passage book that we're going to see a message from god so we the first one build the house september one next one verse 13 then hagar the messenger of the lord spoke to the people with the lord's message i am with you declares the lord that's it i am with you isn't that what we need sometimes we get a mission from god we can get excited about it we can see like all right can do this i can get on board with what you're doing around me god let's do it But then we actually get into it and realize, like, this is hard. This is not a simple task. This is not easy to lean into over and over again. And so we need that encouragement. And God knows that. And he gives that this message. I am with you. And this, uh, we're going to see the date in a minute here. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month in the sixth month in the second year of king darius the king which is then september 24th so first message september 1st build the house second message comes on september 24th so a few weeks later i am with you you're able to do this stirs up the people all right then chapter two let's keep moving so this is going to be uh the next our next time here now on the seventh month On the 21st day of the month, now if you're doing quick math, you're thinking we're in September, that was the 6th, so the 7th month's got to be October. So October 21st is the next one. One month later, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the high priest, and all the remnant of the people, and say, here we are in verse 3, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? You know, uh, yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. You just hear these encouragements over and over again, hey? For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. I love that that God's the one that fills it full of glory. Now we're getting close to the, 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 the center of the message here. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Verse 9 The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. If you're into writing things down, write down uh, Ezra chapter 3 verse 12 and and kind of in that surrounding area because that's where you need to go and read at some point to see why they were so discouraged and why this message had to come from Haggai. Because they had been building, they had been leaning into the work, they had been doing what they had been called to do, do the work, build it, I will be with you. And now they're doing the work And then they're realizing, because some of them had seen the old temple. They'd gone into exile, and now they'd come back. And they remembered what it was. They remembered that it was magnificent. And now, with their limited resources, it's nothing compared to what it was. So they were discouraged. If you read this chunk in Ezra, you'll see that they wailed. They were so sad that it wasn't as good as the last one. So God speaks into the situation through Haggai. The latter glory of this house, this is verse 9, shall be greater than the former. The glory of this house here is going to be way better than it was before. You see, it has nothing to do with the building materials, with the gold, with the resources that were put in. It has to do with the glory of God that's present in it. It's God that makes it magnificent. It's God that brings the glory to it. So message one was September 1st. Build it. Message two on September 24th. I am with you. Message three from Haggai on October 21st is that greater glory, even though less impressive. It's about God. He gives the value. He's the one who makes it magnificent. So we're really, from September 1st to October 21st, we're only like hardly even, not even two months into this this mission, this building project. Uh, So let's, let's carry on. Verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month, So, for our common senses, that's December 24th, the same year. Second year of Darius. The word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? So, if he has something that's been set apart... Uh, this is this is to the priest and some of their their structure their laws in the temple so if he has something that's been set apart as holy if it touches something else does the other thing become holy the priest answered nope verse 13 then haggai said if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these does it become unclean the priest answered and said it does become unclean then haggai answered and said So it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. So with every work of their hands and what they offer is unclean. Now then, consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. So you can kind of see this connection to the beginning when he's talking about you were doing your own thing and you see how it wasn't working out. And that own thing, when it's not working out, has an effect to the other things around you in your operating as life. Uh, So coming back then to chapter 2, verse 15, consider this day forward, uh, verse 16, sorry. When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50, there were but 20. I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day onward, from the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, December twenty-fourth, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider: is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree, have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. So, there's a little bit of back and forth there that takes a bit of straightening out. Uh, they're they're pointing out, hey guys, pointing out here, the message from the Lord is that holiness. Is not contagious, but uncleanness is. So in the way that that interacts with our lives, that when we're when we're pursuing God, that holiness it, it might rub off for people to like come to know God in their own way, but it doesn't rub off. But the uncleanness affects our daily lives and the other pieces. So when there's something that's not lined up the way it ought to be when we're when we're living in whether disobedience to god directly or, or sitting with a sense of bitterness or things we need to forgive or things we need to move on from it's going to have an effect on the rest of our lives holiness is not contagious but evil is that will trickle in to the rest the other parts of our lives some of our new, some of the new testament writers grab onto this as well too paul's pretty particular about making lists of like do this don't do this uh, but there's there's a there's one verse, oh, I don't remember exactly where it is, so my apologies. We can look it up later. I think it's a Peter one, where he says that uh, if if the Lord's not hearing your prayers, how is your relationship with the people around you? And uh, that can be an interference to our prayers when we're not living right with those around us. So that's a December 24th message. We're almost near the end now. This last one uh, is is the only piece that's actually more of a foretelling. So up until this, it's been Haggai uh, proclaiming God's truth where truth was absent. He's, he's telling them what they need to do going forward. He's giving them encouragement along the way. And now finally, he has one little piece, which is a little bit of an aside uh, to the story, to Zerubbabel. So verse 20, the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, December 24th. Speak to Zerubbabel, saying, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth, and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations, and to overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horses and their riders shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. So just to kind of finish out, the book it's this piece where he says this this is coming this is something that's coming down the road but i've got you in the in the palm of my hand i'm going to hang on to you zerubbabel so it's the one piece of foretelling the one piece of proclaiming something into the future that's for zerubbabel but not for the general assembly so these people in uh from october 1st to december 20th so in what's that uh october november december so in like three and a half months nearing four months they had their mission, and then guys, done. They completed the mission. They did finish building the temple. It came back into operation, and it wasn't as impressive as the old one, but uh, it was made more glorious because of God and who he is and what he can bring into something like that. So when we think of the whole, brand, the whole grand story of God's loving redemption for humankind it seems a bit odd like how, how does this fit in here how does this one piece really matter like why would god give them a mission towards that i'm not going to give you a whole uh, i'm not going to dive into like a why too much on that other than to recognize that for a time and a place sometimes god can call us to very tangible very practical missions very practical projects and we've seen that uh, if you're to reflect on your life of times when you're really gathered together with other believers and focused in on a project and we can see how you know maybe there's discouragement that can come along the way that we do need that word from God of like I'm with you steady on keep going we do need that but we have these moments of, of, uh, of mission for a while and, uh, and then not always And then it has an actual end date, but it can build into, and this is the part where it can build into that uh, that building that God is constructing. And it lasts, that story, this little story, this three and a half month building project finds itself in our scripture, finds itself as an example to us of people living on mission, of following God's directive and doing what he had asked of them. So as we kind of come through some of this, I got through guy! and thought, I like this. This is, this is really interesting to see this, this, uh, this played out in our, in our story of history, in our, uh, our family tree. But what, that, what does that mean then for me? What does that mean for us? And, uh, and this, is, this is a tricky part to land on exactly what is the application. What is the go out and do sort of thing? I don't have a temple for you to build. I don't think God's calling me to call you to build a temple. That's not uh, where we're at right now. But I've often considered this question. Whose kingdom am I building? And, and, and I don't always know the answer to it. There's different times in my life where I feel like, God, I feel like I'm working on nothing but what you have put in front of me. <laughs> and, and it feels pretty tangible. Like, okay, this must be for your kingdom. And I hope it is. There's other times where my... my Energies are distracted a little bit more. And and my focus and excitement comes from other things, personal projects. And and I think to myself, whose kingdom am I building? My hope is that they can kind of tie together at times. But I think it's pretty easy to get distracted and lost into building my own kingdom and get more excited about building my own kingdom than building God's kingdom. And I think about maybe really, really practically that... uh, this summer or worked on our kitchen and uh, and built some stuff in our kitchen. So there's maybe, maybe there's building Kitchen Kingdom at 75 Church Avenue. (laughs) I don't know. But the thing with that is, is one day someone's going to tear it out and they're going to wonder... Why did that previous guy build that thing that way? (laughs) And and boy, they made some pretty big mistakes there. I'm surprised that held up as long as it did. And and even if that's not the case, there's going to come a time where through age and time and decay, it will not last. It's not going to be there forever. It will be gone. So the hope in this small example would be that there was joy in doing it because doing an act can be worshipful to God when we're just working with our hands on something when we're just working on a project but my other hope would be that it's something that draws our family together in a way an opportunity to host others to uh, build into a relational element with people around us perhaps because that's a value of that has value of something that will last way longer than that kitchen's going to last the tool that we build the things that we work on can be just that, a tool towards leveraging relationship that can last, towards building, to, building something that is not uh, subject to decay, to rust, to rot, and to falling apart in the end. So I don't know what that looks like for you and, and for us specifically as we go exactly from here. But I do know that uh, we're on a mission from God and, uh, and I don't know that it's necessarily putting the band back together. Although that's kind of a cool part in the last little while, the bands that have come back together. So that's a neat mission from God. Success, I would say. But we have these specific things sometimes. They'll come to just you sometimes. Other times they'll come to a group of you. Other times they'll come to a group of us collectively as a church. And so we seek to listen to one another, to discern what it is when those ideas come up. Is this something that we're jumping into together as a project? Is this something that we want to build together as a way of building into God's kingdom so it's something that lasts, something that can continue on beyond what uh, what we do here and now. So with lack of uh, giving a specific instruction of how to go forward from here i want to read a parable because jesus often paul gave a lot of specific instructions for the context that he was writing to jesus was more prone to tell a story tell a parable and let people search it out and digest that and figure out where it applies for them and wrestle with that so i'm going to use one of jesus stories to do the same thing for us luke chapter 12 verse 16 This night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And then verse 21, so is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. So I'm confident that God's mission broadly for us looks like loving God with all of our being, loving our neighbors, telling those around us about the good news of Jesus. And helping people grow in that relationship, that apprenticeship, that discipleship with Jesus. If if the works that we dive into, if the actions and the things that we do have these kind of fingerprints on them, I think we're on mission. If we find that it's a little more of our own fingerprints, then it's maybe time to pause, reflect, consider whose kingdom am I building And if you are content to build your own kingdom, it's not going to last. If you want to build something that lasts, can build into the kingdom of God. And then it will matter more than we can possibly know. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you invite us to partner with you, that you are doing things around us on a scale that we don't even yet imagine. But you invite us into small pieces in ways that we can be part of it. Thank you that you give us the opportunity to enter into work that matters, to efforts that can make an eternal difference. This is incredible, Jesus. Thank you for stirring up people over the ages in our family tree that we can see these examples. And we need the encouragement from you, God. We need the vision to see what it is you want us to work on. And then we need the encouragement to press on and continue because distractions and difficulties will come. We understand that. And we thank you that you are bigger than those distractions and difficulties. And so we ask you to help us to press on in your mission in that regard. Guide us in this, Lord. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.